0: You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of The Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, Kim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So good good to be with you. Yeah, so, so wonderful to be here in Southern California. It's a nice spring day. About in their 70s or so, but can you believe that we're almost finished with our series on Titus 2? It's been so good. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been a very rich study, and I actually really hate to see it come to an end. I've really enjoyed it. We were talking about that earlier, just how much we've enjoyed studying in depth God's Word. And I know that in a few weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a Q&A with yes. Melissa Harrison. We're really yes. excited about that. Very. and. Uh, Kim has been just busy collecting questions, I think, from our listening audience. Is that right? We have been sent quite a few. Some of them are repeated.
1: Some we've kind of answered already. Okay. Um, So you'll have to listen to the whole series to make sure (laughs) that your question was answered. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. And it's going to be just super fun. I'm really Mm -hmm. looking forward to participating in that with you all. So... Yeah, we love Melissa. We do. We love Melissa. So shall we open up to Titus two? One last time, or not one last time, almost one last time. Uh, we're Second almost to there. Last. <laughs> yes, next to last. <laughs> um, today, I'm going to hone in on verse five, um, and notice that in our verse here, that Paul says that not only are the older women to encourage the younger women to be sensible and pure and workers at home, but also the older women are to encourage the younger women to be kind. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely a virtue that is lacking in our society. Desperately. Yeah, very much so. But to kick off our segment today, I thought what I would do is something a little bit different than we normally do. But I came across a very heartfelt uh, story on kindness that I think illustrates for us really well uh, what we're going to be talking about um, as we kind of explore God's word. Um, But this story was shared uh, by a woman um, who lives in Maryland. And I just thought it was really sweet. But she says, quote, I saw a dress in a consignment shop that I knew my granddaughter would love, but money was tight. So I asked the store owner if she could hold it for me. Um, May I buy the dress for you? Asked another customer. Thank you, but I can't accept such a gracious gift, I said. Then she told me why it was so important for her to help me. She'd been homeless for three years, and had it not been for the kindness of strangers, she would not have been able to survive. I'm no longer homeless, and my situation has improved, she said. I promised myself that I would repay the kindness so many had shown me. Mm. So she paid for the dress, and the only payment she would accept in return was a heartfelt hug. Mm, I love it. And I love heartfelt stories like this one, because oftentimes, as I said, they do a good job of illustrating uh, for us in a very practical way what the virtue of kindness looks like. In Titus 2, 4, the Greek word that Paul uses for kind is agathos, which in essence means the unwearying activity of love. According to John MacArthur, to be kind is to be godlike. For God himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And he's quoting from Luke 635 there um, and exploring really the idea of what we call common grace, which is extended by God to people um, who do not deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the opening story really highlights, I think, that form of kindness so beautifully. The woman who received the dress did not deserve the dress, But the woman who bought it for her wanted to give her a gracious gift. Um, And we might ask, well, why? Because she was very thankful for the kindness that she had once been shown to her. And this gift of the dress was not earned. It wasn't merited by the receiver. It was simply a gift of kindness or graciousness extended towards her out of a heart of gratitude. Paul actually has the same idea in Ephesians four thirty-two when he commands all believers to walk in kindness. And what he means in essence is to be gracious to others. As new creatures in Christ, we are to be becoming kind or gracious. And the reason why um, is illustrated or um, given the ultimate reason for that is given to us, even in Titus. If we go to Titus chapter three, we could read three to seven. Where Paul says, for we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which he would have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, whom he poured out upon us richly through Christ. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So as an in Christ one, not only are we to be radically different from the way that we once were as highlighted in verse three, but additionally believers ought to be cognizant and eternally grateful for their salvation Um, wasn't earned or merited. Rather, our salvation was based, I I love it, on God's kindness, uh, which actually initiated our repentance. Mm -hmm. That truth highlights once again what Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 35, that God is kind to evil and grateful and ungrateful men or women like all of us before Christ. Right. Um, we were all foolish and haters of God. And in some ways, like in my opening story, we were homeless because our citizenship was not in heaven. But now as an in Christ, when we have every spiritual blessing, including a lasting inheritance. So out of a heart of gratitude for the incredible kindness and compassionate love that God has shown to fallen mankind, a way to deliver them, through Jesus Christ, our savior, who actually is the ultimate expression of kindness to a very undeserving people. So how can we not be kind to mm-hmm. one another? Um, in fact, if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul highlights even the virtue of kindness there, reminding the believer that when we extend kindness to others, we are loving that person because he reminds us that love is kind. And we know as women and as wives and as workers and as mothers, that sometimes things go on in our families or in the workplace. that can be very difficult and we can have temptations towards being unkind to others. In the heat of the moment, we may want to respond in harshness, in bitterness or other kinds of anger. But as believers, we know that we haven't learned Christ that way. Rather, in light of the gracious gift that we've been given by God in Christ, we are called to be imitators of God and to be kind to one another, even when it's undeserved. Remember, we've talked a lot about this, but Christ reminds us that out of the heart, Mm -hmm. the mouth speaks. So if you find yourself being unkind, then it's time to examine our hearts. And uh, more than likely, I think usually that the issue is we've forgotten we have forgotten the ultimate kindness that has been shown to us in Christ Jesus. Practically speaking, um, when we're extending kindness towards others, we're choosing out of gratitude towards God, not to say unkind things about those who have hurt us, but instead we look for God honoring ways to be a blessing towards others. This is one way we can overcome evil with good in the home and in the workplace. Um, And so it's really encouraging. But Kim, I've learned that the word agathos also also means good. Um, It doesn't just have the one meaning. And I would love it if you could expand on this aspect of kindness and then give us some real practical ways that we can begin to nurture and practice the law of kindness with our husbands, with our children, with the household of God, with unbelievers. I mean, just the whole sphere of influence. Sure, sure. I hope I'll be practical, but... You will.
1: <laughs> show me. I was just so encouraged when I was going over our notes, because I had just been reading Second Samuel 9. Oh, wow. Okay. And so when you asked me to mention practically, but of course, also we want to look at Scripture, right? And see where... The practical examples are. You see this example in 2 Samuel 9, where um, it's a human picture of God's love for undeserving sinners. And it's when King David was reflecting on that covenantal relationship with Jonathan, who was Saul's son. And we know that Saul just really had a, a <laughs> heart to really mm-hmm. destroy and a hatred to, to harm David. And instead of being bitter of some of the things that had happened to him, He's reflecting on that covenantal relationship, and he asks his servants, is there anyone left in Saul's household and was in the line right there with his beloved friend, Jonathan? It's so beautiful, such a beautiful picture. And it so turned out that Jonathan did have a son, Mephibosheth, And he was one of Saul's descendants, of course. And we know that when a king takes over rulership, it is customary for them to wipe out Mm -hmm. the whole family, everyone, all their servants, everything, so that no one can try to come and usurp the authority of the new king. But David instead seeks out Mephibosheth from Lodibar, <laughs> the land of nothingness, mm. and says, let me show kindness to you. And Mephibosheth was crippled. That's he right. was unable to walk because in fleeing from a war, he actually was hurt. Mm-hmm. And so he was unable to do anything. He was helpless. He was unable to do anything for himself. He had someone who took care of him because he was crippled. Mm. And so we see in this that um, not only was he his life spared, but also when David brought him into his home, he gave him a regular seat at the table Mm -hmm. with his family. And it's just such a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. And I couldn't help but think of that song that we sing. And it's written by Bob Coughlin. And it says, Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. And then it says, By your perfect sacrifice, I have been brought near. Your enemy, you've made your friend, pouring out the riches of your glorious grace, your mercy and your kindness, no no end so i was just worshiping the lord while we were preparing this because it was just so so rich so once an enemy now seated at his table jesus thank you kindness and goodness like you said they're both a part of the fruit of the spirit right Mm -hmm. and this is a result of a transformed life But goodness, as you said, Shelby, is from Agathos, which is a spiritual and moral excellence that is an internal goodness produced by the Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers. It's different than the word kalos, which means goodness that is limited to more physical and temporal things. This this is a heart kindness that comes from the lavish love of Jesus Christ. So practically speaking, Scripture gives us examples of ways that we can meet the needs in a spirit of Christ-centered kindness. Uh, I couldn't help but think of how the widow indeed really exemplifies the law of kindness. And that's mentioned in 1 Timothy uh, 5, verses 5, 8, and 10. And I'm going to read those. But even at our last church, we had quite a few women who had served as missionaries and were widows indeed. And they had served for decades, like 40 and 50 years. And so they came home, right? No one to care for them. And so we included them in a part of that, that our church was responsible for caring for them and doing for them what they had done for decades um, to others overseas in Japan and in India. And so we made it a real priority to make sure that we loved them Well, 1 Timothy 5, verses 5, 8, and 10 say, Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. That's verse 5. And then it says, also in verse eight, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are very strong words <laughs> about how we are to care for one another. And then in verse 10, it says, having a reputation for good works And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints feet, if she has assisted those in in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. These are the qualifications of a widow indeed. And you know what is amazing about that? That doesn't start when you're in your 50s or 60s. That's right. This starts now, mm-hmm. wherever you are now in your phase of life. If you are a single woman um, in her 20s or 30s, it starts now. If you are um, a young mother, it it is now that you are developing these habits of just living a gracious life of service. Mm. And so we don't want to... Uh, just assume that we'll do it someday. Right, right. Right. So, yeah, having uh, a reputation for good works uh, and devoting oneself to every good work. This is so important. And like you said, Shelby, this is really missing in our society Mm -hmm. today. And so uh, I really am glad we're talking about this. But these are godly, faithful sister saints who spent a life Showing the love of Christ practically as we see commanded also in Galatians 6. Um, This is some people that don't have care for themselves in return. And we're to be looking out for one another. And God was very, very clear that he has a very special love and concern for the widow and the orphan. And so we should too. Mm hmm. I love what Galatians 6.10 says, and I I spent some time on this this morning because my husband preached Galatians 6.14 yesterday, so it's just all coming together. It's like, oh, I need to look at this more closely. So as I was looking at it, it was really interesting. But Galatians 6.10 says, so then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are in the household of the faith. We are to be about the business of doing good, not only to the widow, not uh, not only to the orphan, but also to all of those who are in our household of faith. The church is the bride of Christ, and she is to be tended to. It's not just a building that we attend two mm-hmm. hours a week on Sunday. So being kind to one another and sharing with them what we have is just a part of healthy body life. That's what we see in the very beginning of Acts, right? That's right. Yeah. And I think we've really strayed from that as as a church. But the thing that was interesting to me, and I think that this really gets lost in our Western mindset, is the word opportunity. Hmm. That was in Galatians 6 there. Um, the word there is kairos, and it literally refers to a fixed and distinct period of time. It is not referring to an occasional opportunity that may arise in the believer's life, but rather to the total opportunity of our existence on earth. Okay. So how often is that? That's every day. All day. (laughs) You're looking for opportunity. (laughs) I like what MacArthur said as I looked into this a little bit further. He says a believer's entire life is his unique but limited opportunity, right? Until we die to serve others in the Lord's name. So, like you said, every day, all day. So, we're to be seeking for and even making particular opportunities within the broader opportunity of our time on earth. It is to be active, working effectively, and diligently seeking to glorify God. This is the complete opposite of the the me, myself, and I uh, self-love yes. movement, isn't yes. it? Mm-hmm. So just a few verses later, what I love in Galatians 6.14, as I said, that my beloved spoke on yesterday, is that we are reminded that we have been crucified from the world. So this tells us that this goodness looks different than the world's understanding of goodness. This is one of the many, many reasons that the church Needs to be so careful not to get caught up in this social justice movement, um, the social gospel, all you know, all of those things, because they're not rooted in Christ. They're they're rooted in works that don't save. And so we want the things that we do that are good to be rooted in the gospel, and not to have a worldly agenda. We have been crucified to the world.
0: That's such a great point.
1: It just makes sense. It's so simple. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, but we get so caught up in the latest, greatest, right? It's like that song. um, I remember uh, Sarah Groves used to sing it and everyone's getting tailored for truth, like they're finding a new tailored suit, you know, and (laughs) Uh, no. (laughs) What a great lyric. I love it. And, And she's talking about, look, the old word is the new word. Okay, we stick to the word of God and to the truths of scripture. But I want to go to, speaking of the old word being the new word, First Thessalonians. And I'm gonna go both to First Thessalonians and Second Thess, but I'm gonna start with First Thessalonians three twelve. It says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you. So here you see that they're being told, we want you to follow our example, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the next verse, in um, verse 4, 9 of 1 Thess, it says, Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Mm -hmm. So here again, where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. And then this theme, what is so beautiful about this is you see that they took heed of what they were commanded to do. Because in second, this in verse in chapter one, verse three, it says we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is only fitting because your faith is increasing abundantly and the love for each and every one of you toward one another grows ever greater. There was evidence of their love for one another, their being kind to one another, that flows out of their love for God and for one another. So this is going to flow out from our love of God. And I just want to really make a plug right now for us being a people who want another well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is so mm-hmm. crucial, and I would even say if if your church is struggling with this, do a, do a study, do a topical study on the one another's. Uh, they are steeped in goodness that comes directly from our good God, and it's not just for the body of Christ. We also are to love all men. Now, the one anothering is spe- speaking specifically. To the body of believers, but it is to extend to every one, and this love, as it said, is to be increasing, and this type of goodness is going to be, guess what, Shelby?
0: <laughs> a billboard for the gospel. <laughs> Your famous tagline. I, I want that tagline on a mug. We've I gotta get it I happening. think so.
1: I think so. I think we need to get that going. So we love because we were first loved by God. I love Psalm 119, because it says, God, you are good and you're, you do good. Mm. And then right after that, it says, teach me your statutes. And so we're learning from God. It's so, so good to play on words there. So with God as our teacher in sacrificial love of giving his holy one and only son, We should be a people who need to know how to one another well. Mm. If you're a mama, it's never too early to show your children this aspect of your faith. Um, If they only see you doing good to them, there is going to be a child-centeredness in your home, and they're not going to learn to serve others. My mom practiced this so well for me, I saw her always serving others, always being one of the first ones there when there was a need to arise within the church. And so I grew up seeing that. And so if you're a young mama, you want your children to see that. We just had a work day and my husband exhorted The young parents, bring your children. And we had a one-year-old at the workday. And I saw him at one point outside in the churchyard on his daddy's shoulders. And he was there learning to serve the Lord. So we need to teach our children that this is a normal part of our life. If your church is not serious about being obedient to the one another's of scripture, Can I just say you are probably in an unhealthy church? And um, I just want to give you a little bit of admonishment there because this is so important. Uh, At a church that has a sound pulpit ministry, sound discipleship and counseling ministry will be practicing the one another's. This is what makes us different from the world and promotes the gospel. How we bear with one another, how we comfort one another, serve one another, build one another up are all rooted in gospel, love and goodness. And this looks different than the world's concept of niceness. (laughs) Random kindness. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Going to make me want to buy that car. (laughs) Um, I would really encourage you to make sure that this is the type of church that you belong to that takes one anothering seriously. This is practical theology. This is how our theology is lived out. And if it's not taking place, then the theology of the church is off somewhere, plain and simple.
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's it's so true, and thank you for taking us that route um i I agree with you wholeheartedly, and really speaking of one anothering, did you know that there's a wonderful book that is out? that one of our MABC professors here at the master's uh, authored a couple of years ago. It's actually called 31 Ways to Be a One Another Christian. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Stuart Scott wrote that along with another guy by the name of Andrew Jinn. Um, but it's a, it's a devotional. And it's just so helpful because mm-hmm. each day that you read, um, it carefully examines the one another commands in scripture, which are just to be a part of our life. And it helps us, right? As believers, just to grow in showing kindness, for example, or graciousness towards one another. Um, And as Kim mentioned, the one anothering, it's just so vital within our relationships. So if it's devoid, you need to be thinking about that. Yeah, but thank you. Amen and amen. (laughs) Well, Kim, on that note, I would like to bring to our listening audience's attention a very exciting conference that will be happening this summer on June 11th to 12th. uh, Placerita Bible Church in partnership with the Masters University will be hosting the Care of Souls Conference, Biblical Counseling Reformation. Um, The purpose of the Care of Souls Conference is to present a system of biblical truth that brings people together, their problems, scripture and the living God. It's based on the convictions that God's word should be our counseling authority. And we say amen to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That counseling is a part of the basic discipleship ministry of the local uh, church, which is part of the one anothering and God's people can and should be trained to counsel effectively. Uh, This conference is intended for all of God's people, whether you're a pastor, you're an elder, you're a lay person, both men and women. There are just going to be lots and lots of great uh, topics to choose from, lots of wonderful speakers that are lined up. Even Kim and I (laughs) were given an opportunity to teach a workshop um, at this conference so that we're and we're very excited about that. And so. If you attend, one thing that we do want people to do, right, is to come and find us because we'll have a table set up That's right for the Women's <laughs> Hope podcast. And we would love it if you would come by and say hello. We'd love to meet you. Um, and so if you'd like to learn more about this conference and register for it, you can go to careofsoulsconference.org. That's careofsoulsconference, all one word, uh, .org. So I think I'm looking forward to that. It seems like it's just around the corner. It's just a few months away, but yet time is just going by like crazy fast. But ladies, we'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Women's Health podcast. We also want to thank our gracious hosts, the Masters University, who provide a beautiful podcast studio for us to record in and just great people to work with that help make this production happen. If this is the first time you've joined us, we want to thank you and we want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on womens-hope.masters.edu. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Bar Podcast Network. We look forward to our next episode where we will unpack actually our last priority, which we've talked on before, but we're going to go ahead and unpack it again. um, We all need to hear it it time and time again, but it's going to be on being subject to your own husband. But until then, we want to continue to encourage you to be becoming kind by doing what the Lord requires of you, which is to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Master's University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash womenshope. For more information on the Master's University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.